Hey everyone, I'm Bobby Hundreds, and you're listening to another episode of Bomb Talk. We have a really cool show for you today. Uh, It's with the founders of Artifact. You know, I talk a lot about the intersection of NFTs and streetwear. We're one of, if not the first, streetwear brand to really dive into this NFT collectible side. And I think we're one of the first NFT brands to also be making fashion and streetwear and apparel. Well, there's Artifact out there as well. Artifact is kind of doing the next generation or the the following iteration of this. They're a full-on metaverse clothing brand. Uh, sneakers, more or less. Digital sneakers. And I'm talking with two of the three founders today, Chris and Steven. Uh, we're joined by a super surprise special guest. I'll let the cat out of the bag early. It's Jeff Staple. Jeff, who has a relationship with the Artifact guys already. He also traverses this uh, old school versus new school mentality towards streetwear and the metaverse. Um, he has straddled both worlds, kind of like what we are doing with the hundreds right now and Adam Bomb Squad. So without further ado, here are Chris and Steven of Artifact. Pay attention and listen. These two men are leading the charge and charging the lead when it comes to talking about fashion, NFTs, and what the metaverse is going to be dressed like. Adam Bomb Squad presents Bomb Talk number four. This is the the fourth episode. I can't believe it's been a month that we launched this talk series. Uh, I'm Bobby Hundreds, the co-founder. I'm your host, uh, but I'm the co-founder of the Hundreds and Adam Bomb Squad. Uh, this is Bomb Talk. Adam Bomb Squad, for those who don't know, it's an NFT project. It's 25,000 collectible NFTs that launched just a couple months ago. Um, If you missed out on them when they dropped, you can always go and find one up on the secondary marketplace. The most popular website being a website called OpenSea, S-E-A.io, OpenSea.io. And if you look up the verified page for Adam Bomb Squad, you can bid on or just buy now your own very your own atom bomb nft yeah that's uh that's up there now we started this bomb talk show the series because we felt like there was just a lot of i guess there was a really high barrier of entry for people to get into nfts there still is there's still a lot of confusion out there it's really hard to find information it's hard to onboard uh even for me I've been doing this now for close to a year and as confused as I was on day one. And because the information is so dense, because there is such a lack of access to the space, um, a lot of people are getting lost, bewildered. uh, They're making bad choices. Many people are even getting scammed. And uh, that's a result of um, an information asymmetry, which to be quite honest, is what a lot of people want because they are capitalizing and winning at other people's expense. And so we are here to bridge that divide, welcome more people into the space. We want to increase exposure, increase the knowledge and the education, and also just provide a friendly face, if not a voice, to NFTs, to crypto. We understand that it's dark out there, it's murky, It's hard to find friends. It's hard to find information and voices that you trust. And so Bomb Talk was a way for us at Adam Bomb Squad to not only help the people within our own community, but just casual listeners who were curious about NFTs, if not NFT collectors already, 
who were just learning or who were just yearning to learn a little bit more. And so every week for the last four weeks, we've been inviting friends of ours from the NFT world who will also happen to be members of the Anna Bomb Squad community, meaning that they own one of our bombs, um, to come in and share some of that insight. The first episode was with Steve Aoki. Um, the second episode was with Nick Tershay from Diamond. If you come from a streetwear background and you know me more from the hundreds than you do Anna Bomb Squad, you know Nick Diamond. We had a special guest uh, join us for that uh, session. That was Dylan Francis, who used to work for both Nick and I. Uh, last week was a really special episode. It was women-led. It wasn't intended to be. It just so happened that two of the projects that I'm a big fan of these days, the Dead Fellas and the Ethereals, are led by women founders, if not co-founders. And then we were joined, surprise guest, uh, Reese Witherspoon entered the space because she's curious about NFTs like we all are. Uh, she's a real force to be reckoned with in the business world, as we know. And so uh, she came in to not only empower the other women founders that were up on stage, but also to learn from, to be educated by them. And so that was a really inspiring episode for many who are new to NFTs. And I think especially for a lot of the women who we don't talk about often enough in crypto and NFTs, but they're out there and they're leading the charge, if not charging the lead. Today's episode, super duper special. Um, also a little bit streetwear oriented, but a, a little bit different from the episode that I had with Nick and Diamond. Um, this episode today is with people who I believe are leading this next chapter of what streetwear can look like in the metaverse, in NFTs and crypto. Um, they're the guys from Artifacts. So I'll be bringing them up on stage shortly. Uh, just a couple more housekeeping items before we begin. For all those who are now joining us, you're listening to Bomb Talk. This is the fourth episode. It's brought to you by Adam Bomb Squad. I'm your, home, I'm your host. I'm your home and your host. I'm Bobby Hundreds. Um, if, you're look, if you're trying to listen to old episodes, they're all up wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, last week's episode with Reese Witherspoon and the Ethereals and Deadfellas is up now on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. It's already up. Um, next week is NFT week in New York City. If you're going to be there, and especially if you're a holder of an Adam Bomb Squad NFT, uh, there's a couple events for you. One, I'm speaking, I'm going to be doing this show in real life, in person at the Shopify space. It's Shopify's big uh, NFT event for the week. And then that night, this is Tuesday night on the 2nd, that night, I'm going to be, um, we're throwing an Atom Bomb Squad party. It's going to be the party for the week. It's Coinbase's only party as well. Coinbase in conjunction with Atom Bomb Squad. Uh, so you can already expect it to be pretty noisy. We're having a real secret surprise guest DJ join us. We're not going to announce it yet like we do with everything. Everything's going to be a surprise. Um, so that's next week. Uh, there is a POAP associated with this bomb talk right here. I'm going to actually ask Sandy if, you're, if, you're, if you can chime in from the Adam Bomb Squad side uh, and tell us a little bit about the POAP if you want to do it now or we can do it later. Oh, we can do it now. You want to tell people how to yeah. get around to doing this? If anything, we could do both. Um, just to catch um, everybody who's here, anyone who's listening, please stay on until the end of the event in order to get the code. But the code will be RTFKT. As soon as that tweet is up, we'll go ahead and pin it um, on this bomb talk. Um, 
And we'll mention the code again for anyone who missed it. So just remember the code is RTFKT. You'll have to fill out the Google form and put that code in order to receive it. Thanks, Sandy. So yeah, we'll, we'll uh, make that announcement again. For those who don't know, a POAP is a proof of attendance protocol, I believe. But um, it's, a, it's also another NFT that um, basically proves you were here, like a virtual concert ticket stub. It's a souvenir to remember tonight's episode. Um, I think that's about all the housekeeping we have. We have a really amazing show. Again, we're talking about the future of not just NFTs, but what streetwear and sneakers can look like. And as is becoming a tradition with Bomb Talk, we will be joined by a super surprise special guest halfway through the episode. But I'm going to begin with some of my friends up here on stage. Um, boys, I don't know if you want to introduce yourselves or if you want me to do it for you. We got Chris here and we got Steven from Artifact. If you've seen this, these letters around, RTFKT, I've seen it pronounced every which way. I'm sure these guys can attest to <laughs> But from what I know, it's pronounced Artifact, right, guys? Yo, correct. Right. Amazing. Well, welcome. Where are you calling in from? I know you're all over the place. You're very Web3. You're very uh, uh, 2021 in how you've set up the company. Uh, I'm actually calling from Silicon Slopes, Utah right now. It's, uh, uh, it's in Lehigh at the homies' offices. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm currently in Panama. I uh, took a trip out here just to sit down and grind on our upcoming drops so worldwide amazing is benoit in the room as well no he's no, sleeping he's his sleeping. ass is sleeping <laughs> where's he based paris oh, okay no but he's in belgium right now right yeah i think yeah he's traveling yeah yeah okay. before we even begin how do you guys handle your meetings it's hard enough for me dealing with my business partner who's 10 feet away from me on the other side of this wall how do you deal with the communication? Are you guys just this tech savvy and forward? You got it all dialed? Yeah, we're, we're um, internet native. So we're always on WhatsApp and Discord. So we always communicate on WhatsApp and then jump on. We use a software called Whereby, which is kind of like a Zoom, but you have one URL that you can just send to people and it never changes and they can just hop in and out. So yeah, we just communicate on WhatsApp or Discord, send each other our Whereby links and then jump in for meetings, share screens. So it's pretty organic. And, and pre-COVID, uh, we were always working remotely before all of this. Um, that's just how we operated the company, and that's how we created Artifact, just working remote. Yeah, if you guys don't mind sharing a little bit about that, or you were friends before the three of you, right? And then you decided to work on this thing together. Can you tell us just a little bit about the yeah. origin story of how this all came to be? Yeah, for sure. So at the like very early days, we were all, all three of us were working at separate different fields. I was running different streetwear and sneaker related companies. Chris was in the esports and gaming skin, skin design, and movie direction. And Benoit was leading Fnatic, which was one of the biggest uh, European esports team. And then we met up as friends. Uh, and at the time, Benoit had a project where he worked with Chris to design some sneakers, and then they contacted me to make them real. And from that point, we just became good friends. We realized we felt the same about these industries, and we're all gamers, and we're all into streetwear. And we saw that all these cultures were merging, and we wanted to be build the first brand that was native to both like fashion, gaming, and crypto. Uh, and then from there, we just started an Instagram account, 
And then sometime afterwards, we left our current positions uh, where we were working or companies and went full time into Artifact. Now, does it ever shock you that no one else was thinking along these lines before? Because it seems so obvious now that you guys are doing this, that I'm like, there should be a hundred, if not a thousand brands that are similarly along the same lines as you. But did it shock you anywhere along the way? Like, I can't believe we're the really the only ones who are innovating at this scale and at this level. I mean, or do you think, no, like we're Um, that far ahead? I feel like we were way too early. Uh, But the thing is that the the human pattern and behavior was already there for it. Because uh, before all this stuff, I was designing skins for Counter-Strike and Dota 2. But uh, I, I noticed a lot of, you know, behaviors of people, like, especially like Gen Z and millennials, collecting and trading skins uh, on Steam. And as esports grew, uh, there's a lot of like Twitch streamers and influencers who were sneakerheads. So it only made sense that eventually those two worlds would collide at some point because everybody knows that in the physical space, uh, being a sneakerhead or being a hypebeast and collecting and reselling is the biggest thing you can do in the physical space, right? Or one of the biggest things. But the digital space, it's skins. Everybody buys and collects skins. So when we first started Artifact, it only made sense to, you know, fuse the two worlds together. And then, yeah, yeah, just I, to jump in on that, I think, uh, there's no original ideas. I think everyone has taps into the same thoughts or paths and has ideas. I think just the, there was no clear road to executing the concept. So I'm sure there would have been thousands of people who had the same idea as us, but the actual road to executing doesn't really make sense. And we sort of worked it out ourselves. Um, so that's what I think kind of played a role. Yeah. When I explain NFTs to a lay person, uh, it seems to be a little bit harder to traverse that, uh, the gap of understanding for someone who's not involved in gaming. I always use my children as a fair example. And to your point, Chris, you know, last Christmas, I remember when I was first getting into NFTs and I and I got my two boys, you know, some cool sneakers, some some toys to play with. They were really excited, but then they jumped right back into their Fortnite. They were asking me for V-Bucks because they wanted to buy skins. And especially in a pandemic year where they weren't seeing a lot of other children in person, they weren't going to school, but their social scene was established online. And that's where most of their friends were seeing them. It was more important for them to stand out with a certain spray or a back bling uh, or a certain skin as opposed to like if I'd bought a cool pair of Dunks or Jordans. And so that's what helped me understand a lot of it was looking at it from a gaming perspective. I feel like those in gaming have already quite understood this well about the idea of digital wear, what I like to call metaware, metaverse clothing. Um, and so it only seems to make the most sense that we are going more and deeper and deeper into a place where you need to have clothing that is quote unquote virtual. Um, so I, I, I can totally see how that, why artifact would have come up in a, in a thought process like that. Yep. And then even before skins, uh, people don't know, like one of the earliest metaverses that a lot of people got their hands on was second life. That's been around for a long ass time. And I know some people say, no, what about World of Warcraft? But the reason why I considered Second Life a true metaverse is because um, they were the first to really tie in uh, their own currency that can be traded back to fiat. If you guys don't remember, look it up. They had their own currency called Linden, Linden dollars. 
if you made linden in second life like there were people making i've seen streetwear stores uh and then i myself created my own uh, streetwear shop in second life a long time ago because i used to do and that that's what you, you actually inspired me to uh bobby long time ago i did the streetwear line where i flipped it on karma loop cosba i'm not sure if you remember that but i knew that there would be some you know in the future there would be a way where people would sell these things online as digital assets and that's where second life came in so i started pushing my clothes on second life by creating a digital store where avatars can go and buy these things with linden dollars but what's crazy is uh they'll pay with linden but i as a business owner on second life would go back out on their website and there's an area where you can convert the linden to usd and it would deposit the usd back into your paypal and this was 2007 i believe or two, yes six seven or eight something like that but that was it's been around for a minute and it created a lot of behaviors where it was preparing humanity for the whole new metaverse era happening right now now having said that chris uh, did you ever foresee that nfts would explode the way that they have this year i mean i know that you both you the three of you had your vision on what artifact was and what it was intended for but did you ever see it converging colliding with more or less the mainstream world the mainstream thinking the way it has in 20 we, we, uh, we actually it, i didn't oh sorry yeah you go ahead and answer this one yeah <laughs> no we knew it was gonna happen we just didn't think it would happen this fast and this soon really like we've been doing nft since 2018 as artifact and we always treated the physical product as the primary thing that you buy and the nft is just an additional thing that you use to authenticate it and then we feel like what happened with covid forced a lot of people indoors and spending more time online and really blew up the space with the crypto art space reaching mainstream and the growth of the industry has been insane. So we didn't expect it to happen this fast or soon. And we actually, when we started the company, we did a, had a booth at E3 and we were explaining people like digital sneakers and everyone thought we were completely crazy and uh, no one would ever buy digital based sneakers. So it has been amazing to see the industry evolve so fast and it's, primarily due to the great communities of people supporting each other and really pushing the technology forward. So it's been great to watch. Yep. Yeah, it really blew us by surprise, to be honest. It was crazy. <laughs> I'll be the first to admit that if you had presented this idea to me, and maybe you did somewhere somehow, or maybe I saw it somewhere uh, just a few years ago, uh, I would have thought it was pretty crazy too. <laughs> I just would not have been able to have the foresight or the vision the way that you both did. So kudos <laughs> to you guys for seeing that. There's a story, Zatio. Zatio, you got to tell him the phase bank story, man. That one's awesome. Oh, yeah. Please, Please uh, tell us. Especially on a day like today with phase, <laughs> the phase news. But yes, I want to hear it. Let's, let's do it. But at early artifact days I, with a few of my previous companies, I've been close friends with phase banks and all of the phase guys. And we were starting up artifact and I wanted to bring banks on to artifact to help like be the marketing engine and promote so i went down uh to the clout house in la spent a week there and had a meeting and i basically pitched banks on artifact explaining like how we're going to be the digital stock x how we're literally gonna crush the markets and he thought i was completely nuts he didn't understand it. and at the time like our valuation wasn't pretty high it was a pretty good deal um and yeah he he Right now, he's telling me that it was the biggest L he's ever taken. And there was an interview he did with Gary Vee where he was like, yeah, it's one of the biggest mistakes I've done. And it's pretty amazing to see, like, 
I, I told him what we were going to do and we did it. So it's pretty cool. Uh, but it just shows how early we were in the space. And we've been pushing the same vision since day one. We've ticked and tacked and adjusted bits and improved. But uh, we've really stayed true to the vision of what we're trying yeah. to create. I mean, it's it's understandable. Think about if you're a VC or someone and we come into you and we say, hey, we want to sell fake digital sneakers online. And you can reforge it for real shoes. A lot of people would think we're crazy. Like, it just sounds like a crazy idea. So it's like, uh, <laughs> we, were, we were too early, but, you know, like, we bet we bet on it. We knew one day it was going to happen. And um, I'm glad, you know, we just made the right decision and just stuck with it. Well, I'm going to ask a then. very founder, entrepreneur, uh, and entrepreneurial type of question. Were there moments where, I mean, this it, this didn't happen overnight. It took a few years. So were there moments where you were like, maybe I am crazy and, and we should stop this or we need to pivot to something else? I, I have nope. one moment that wasn't that extreme, but I, I'll never forget <clears throat> when <laughs> COVID just kicked in and we, we funded the company. So we hired like this crazy workshop in the UK and we're building like a full team to create these physical shoes because as you know, Bobby, physical shoes are a nightmare to create and COVID kicked in and all the restrictions started coming and we had to shut down the sh- uh, like workshop, relocate. And at that time, I was just like, what is going on with the world? We still heavily believed in like our vision, but at that time it, it did seem very bleak that we weren't going to reach where we are today. Um, but it's part of the process. It's about never giving up, and it's the same in any industry and in any business. Uh, no one sort of cares until you do do it or you do make it. And if, as a founder, you don't persevere and keep pushing your vision, no one else will believe in it. So I think that's true but to who we are. The main thing, though, for sure. Uh... I mean, I always get a sense and the vibe from between uh, my co-founders and I is we just have insane fun doing it. Like, it just feels like a giant game. It's so fun to play and to sit there and just create this company. Um, And we kind of have the mindset, too, that if it fails, who cares, right? Like, we could always create new things. So I feel like with that kind of a mentality, um, it's it's all just positive energy. And I feel like that's what was able to push us forward and keep doing it. Yeah, I feel like this space for founders, it requires a hell of a lot of perseverance and faith in yourself um, and the confidence and a little bit of crazy, if not a lot of bit of crazy. Even if you're getting into NFTs or you're creating these projects at this point in 2021, I still feel like you got to be a little nutty to do it. I can only imagine uh, what it looked like a couple of years ago for you to be pitching these types of concepts and ideas um you know there's two things with artifact that really appealed to me when uh i was in speaking with steven and hanging and talking to you chris and just watching your project over this last year uh, the, you came at it from point two points that have really spoken to me and really struck me and one was that i feel like you like many other sneaker collectors and fanatics were perhaps a little bit uh, disenchanted, a little got a little bit fatigued by much of the way the sneaker industry has been moving, what physical sneaker collecting looks like in 2021. And number two, there was a real emphasis on the sustainability angle. And even for us with uh, Adam Bomb Squad and the hundreds, much of our impetus for getting into NFTs was, you know, as contrary as it might seem because of the climate and environmental challenges that come with crypto, um, the long-term plan is that this will actually be better for the environment in terms of reducing the carbon footprint and making clothing. And so 
those are two things I wanted to speak with you guys about. Number one, uh, sneakers may be feeling a little bit stale or the practice or the exchange or the dynamic of it being maybe a little bit boring or uninteresting. Can you guys speak on that? Yes. Um, Oh yeah, Z. Uh, yeah, yeah go I'm gonna that. I'm gonna follow up with something right after you. Sounds speak. good. But no, for, for me, I've been in sneakers from a very young age, and I loved sneakers. And I think the prime era was the sort of Jeff Staple when the Kanye was at Nike, and shoes were really exciting and in, interesting. And uh, I felt like the markets have been stagnating with just general releases of the same shoe with different colorways. And uh, myself starting like running custom businesses, my whole aim was to make shoes more exciting so and and we saw that sneakers became a culture and a status item it, the same way that nfts or punks or profile pictures are a status item now uh you can tell what pe- people are into through sneakers and for us with artifact we wanted to open up and democratize sneakers to anyone like uh growing up i always wanted a nike collab but if you're not an athlete or a world star celebrity that's off the table right um, so we decided to build a whole infrastructure to one, have unlimited creativity. And uh, Chris is the best guy who pushes all limits because he, de- he designs purely in 3D and he goes very over the top and he's always causing giant headaches for our production team. But they work super hard and we just try, even if it takes us years to make something physically, we want to do that. Uh, and then I'll pass over to Chris on the... Yeah, so... You are right, uh, Bobby. Where I feel like the sneaker industry was uh, a bit still. Like, cause the thing is, I've been in, I've been following streetwear for so long, and it's always been the same thing, the same colorway or this, and the same silhouette, all that crap for so long, right? But what was missing, and why I'm so excited about the space is with my mind, because my mindset was both in street, because you know, like prior to this, before skins, I, I worked in hip hop for a long time too. Like I, I designed for you know Janae Aiko, Anderson Pac. Like I even worked with Far East Movement, all those guys. And so my mindset was, and you know, I'm Asian American, man. I feel like a lot of Asian Americans always went through that sneaker head phase or whatever. <laughs> so uh, my mindset was gamer and um, hypebeast, right? And the thing is, I, I noticed that there was always a disconnect between gaming culture. It's like a lot of the guys at the time were always closeted gamers, right? And sneakers that were designed at the time, or even till this day, somehow feels like it was designed by sneaker designers where I felt like we have the upper edge is because I, my design background is different in a sense where I come from more gaming. I was able to look at the sneaker design in a different way. I, I didn't see it like the other guys did. Everything I do with the sneaker is based off of video game skins and video game aesthetics. So that's why they kind of go a little bit over the top. But I, and you know, I even got some backlash from some of my streetwear homies like, Oh, it's too complicated. It's too, this is too that. I'm like, bro, like, do you know the new generation of kids growing up is going to want this? They're gamers. They're used to over-the-top Fortnite skins. This is going to be the way, right? So, and I kept with it. I had, had I didn't care what anybody said, and we we kept on uploading all these sneaker designs on our Instagram account, and it went it blew up. All the gamer uh, the gamer community from different games like we did Fortnite inspired sneakers. For, uh, we did like official collab with Apex Legends. I skinned the sneakers with some of my Counter Strike skins I had in game. The community loved it, and this is when we knew people were fiending for a new era in sneakers. And this and the thing is, even with physicals down the road, I feel like the physical part won't even matter anymore. Our whole ambition is to get these sneakers out in the metaverse because just like Apple, do you remember when Apple used to have an audio jack? 
they removed that sucker like way later in the road. But they, they the thing is, they removed it because it was not needed. We want to do that one day. Like down the road, I feel like people won't even care about the physical sneakers anymore because they're just uh, used to having the NFT and the metaverse counterparts in different metaverses. We can just scrap the physical altogether and thus provides back to the whole sustainability movement. Yeah, and just to add in on the sustainability part, like one of the companies I ran was Heat, which was reusing stock that luxury brands wouldn't sell because they it didn't sell out and they didn't want to drop the prices to hurt the brand's image. And we, we believe that sustainability is going to be play a big part in this new generation who will want to change the world. And that's why we adopt this approach of everything's made to order. We don't produce like 10,000 sneakers that sit there and we hope to sell all the sizes. Everything we do now is made to order. Uh, right now, there are some like carbon effects of blockchain, but we're sure we're, within the next few years uh, that will be solved. It's possible to actually. Do. Z, no, no, I got sent another article. Right, I always mm. have these debates with everybody. There was a study. I have to post it on Twitter. Um, it was a Medium article where they actually did more studies on blockchain. It's still a very tiny, tiny, tiny sliver of what what people think it really is and it, it's it's very tiny i'll post if it if you compare uh, on, it to what the factories use in terms yeah. of carbon it's uh, minuscule uh, and and there's layer two solutions e2 is going to come out there's it's going to be solved just like how someone invented a car back then there's always people complaining and bitching about it but it eventually will get solved this technology is here to stay and it's very important for society to have nfts Oh, I love that you guys are speaking on this. And I need to dedicate an entire Anna Bomb Squad episode to this one day. But uh, I'm in total agreement with you. The literature that I obviously have been reading in my echo chamber, uh, but also just my uh, voice, my vision and my my foresight for how this is all going to go is that, look, when we consider we run a clothing brand, we've been doing it for almost two decades now. And the amount of waste Right. Like the people who are up in arms, you know, every now and then that I, you know, come at me on, on Twitter or Instagram, they're talking about the environmental impact of NFTs. I'm like, if, you, if we started clothing companies or brand, brands today, people would be freaking out if they understood the carbon footprint of uh, sending like a, uh, like, like a container of denim from China over here <laughs> on a boat and what that does to the environment or every t-shirt that we're making and the inks that we're using, the chemicals that we're printing your t-shirts with, it's unconscionable. And um, I, you know, so I'm really excited for this future we're having with NFTs. And the more that we can move the identity and community aspect of brand owning, you know, the reason why we even wear clothing companies to begin with has more to do with um, identity and, and, and tribe association then with the actual utility of warmth and protecting from the elements, the more that we can move those other social aspects of it, whether it's status or whether it's, hey, look at me, I'm just, I'm different or I'm, I'm cooler than you because I'm associated with so-and-so brand. We can push that more into the metaverse, the way that Artifact is doing. Uh, it'll be better for the world overall. It'll be, it'll just be better for your closets because you're going to have more room. Um, Chris, I wanted to circle really quickly back to something that you were speaking on earlier. And you're going to actually have to forgive me because when I first came upon Artifact uh, Designs and Shoes, I was also one of those old school streetwear dinosaurs that were like, hey, these shoes are a little too complicated. They're over-designed in many ways. And to hear you explain it from a gaming perspective is really humbling because if there's anything I've learned in the two months that we've watched Adam Bomb Squad is that 
so much of this space is actually being informed by gamers, by the gamer dynamic, by the gamer's perspective. And streetwear, you're right, has largely been a little bit divorced from that world. And so the fact that you're marrying both gaming and streetwear and the metaverse and NFTs, um, I think that is uh, huge, hugely advantageous. Yeah, th thank you, man. And th the thing is, like, trust me, I'm on your boat. I came from that era too. Like, uh, I remember all the LA brands, like Visu, um, you name it. Like, I followed all these brands in LA, the streetwear brands that came out. And my mindset too was always about minimalism, right? And oh, let's do vintage, like, inspired, inspired stuff. But um, at the same time, like, you have to admit, you you're a gamer too. Wow. You play games. A lot of games are over the top. And when we go to the metaverse route. People are going to get bored of the minimalist look because you can't do much in the physical plane we are on right now. We have physics. We have this. We have that. But in, with, with the metaverse and with AR technology, you can now think beyond physics. You can think about, you know, flaming T-shirts, shoes that have sparks or rainbow particles that shoot out. It's a different world now. And to and because, uh, you know, you're living in a digital world, um, how are you even going to stick out? Right. The, the way and I feel like the way the, the reason why a lot of people like over the top things sometimes because in the gaming space, especially with Counter-Strike, Dota 2, uh, you know, uh, League of Legends or Fortnite, things are divided by rarity too, just like a lot of PFP projects. So how do you separate what is considered like a legendary skin or a rare skin or a common skin? Like Valve Software, when they pick skins to publish, they pick like, okay, the more complicated, colorful gold skins or silver are considered the insanely rare ones, right? And the, the, the bland colors, the minimalist stuff is considered common. So the price of that will be cheaper. So that behavior now is starting to be implanted into kids. So that's why we have to cater to that behavior. You got to make the crazy over the top stuff for that demographic. Then you got to create the minimalist stuff, just like Clonex. You're going to see it with the Clonex project we're dropping. There are over the top clothes and there's, you know, very minimalist designs too, but it all falls into how we categorize the rarity system, just like the video game studios do it. I'm going to reset the room really quickly. You're listening to Adam Bomb Squad Presents Bomb Talk. This is our fourth episode. It's a weekly series that I do right here on my Twitter, Mondays, more or less. Uh, the first episode was with Steve Aoki. We had Nick from Diamond. Last week was an amazing episode with uh, Betty from Deadfellas. The co-founders of Ethereals and Reese Witherspoon was our surprise guest. And speaking of which... Our surprise guests entered a little bit early. If you've been staring at your screen, yes, Jeff Staple is in the room. And Jeff Staple is uh, invited up on stage tonight because, well, geez, a lot of things. Number one, he's a pioneer in sneakers. If you're not that familiar, familiar with streetwear and sneakers, Jeff has really become um, a, a pioneer, a face, an innovator, um, everything. The, the biggest influencer I can think of when it comes to shoes and He's also a good friend of the Artifact team. He worked with them on a project that released earlier this year, the Meta Pigeons, and those have also been very substantially successful in, in the time since. Um, Jeff is one of the few classical streetwear players like myself and like Nick and a few others who have gotten into NFTs, have been championing, and, and are still trying to learn like I am every day. So I was like, hey, Jeff, I know you don't really do the spaces thing much, uh, but can you join us today and just, you know, bless us with some wisdom and some insight and what this world looks like from your perspective? Uh, Jeff, how's it going tonight? What up? Thanks for having me, Bobby. This is actually my first ever Twitter spaces. So you're indoctrinating me for sure. Happy to be here, though. P 
Poppin' Jeff's Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome, Jeff, everybody. <laughs> Jeff, how did you link up with the Artifact guys? Yo, what up, Artifact guys? What up, Chris? What up, Zep Theo? What's up, Jeff? I, I feel like we're on one of our, uh, we're, our meetings, <laughs> right? Except there's like, five, there's like 500 people listening in on, on our meeting right now. The, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's funny because I've actually only met Chris like one time in real life and um, our whole entire, you know, collaboration process has been done virtually. You know, I heard you guys talking up front about how uh, new business is done this way and how you don't, you don't have to be centralized. And it, it's just cool that, you know, all the guys, including myself, are just spread out all over the earth. And it's really impressive that we were, we were able to create what we created given that sort of geographic disparity, but also the speed in which we were able to pull off what we did was pretty fucking phenomenal, if you ask me. Um, but yeah, it started out with uh, sliding into the DMs. <laughs> really simple. Like, I just DM'd the artifact guys, and I said, um, I said it, it was after them coming off of their ferocious uh, drop, which I thought was just, like you said, Bobby, like, this was new frontier shit. You know, it was like, whoa, this is... Like just taking what we've sort of architected and created and essentially hacking it. And a lot of people were hating on it, but I was sort of like um, gassed on the energy that the, this new subculture, you know, we talk about how streetwear is a subculture, but now there's like a new sub subculture that was being birthed out of this and they were loving it. And so I DM the guys and I was just like, yo, the, the energy that you guys are creating reminds me a lot of the energy that was created when I dropped the pigeon dunk in like 2004, 2005. So like just kudos to you guys, you know? And then, uh, and then I got a reply soon thereafter with just all caps legends, <laughs> like all, all exclamation points, all caps. I was like, Oh, okay. I guess they know who I am. So that's cool. Um, and then we, we and from it was there. Actually dope. <laughs> yeah. Tell it from your side. Jeff, I would love to hear it from your side too. Yeah, no, like, we, we had, like, discussions of who we want to collaborate with from the, like, traditional sneaker world, and Jeff was one of them, and we, we feel that, like, in the streetwear scene, there's sometimes different levels of, like, communication, and when we saw Jeff DM us, we were like, oh, shit, that's crazy, like, he's one of the guys we'd love to collaborate with, and we, we received that DM, and we were completely humbled, we were like, yo, like, Jeff Staple is the biggest OG when it comes to sneakers, he pioneered the collectible sneaker trend and he's reaching out to us so let's let's make something happen and we just responded like you're a legend let's do something and hopped on a call and got cooking straight away yep really fast <laughs> yes i got a question for you actually and i just i just realized this right now would have the collaboration ended up different for good or for worse if we worked on it yes. in person because I feel like working digitally kind of bring, creates a new behavior and the way of thinking and being I, creative. Do, do you totally. see what I mean? And when you guys were talking earlier about the effect of COVID on NFTs, and I don't think that's talked about nearly enough, but I think COVID actually helped to put like gasoline fuel on the NFT you know, hype. But I think if we were all operating in real life, COVID wasn't the thing. I would have done the usual stupid like, yeah, next time you're in New York, let's schedule a meetup. And like, you know, there's three of you guys. So it's like, when the fuck are all three of you going to be in New York? And it, it literally could have been a year before we met up and it would have been emails and stuff. But the fact that we were all sort of like trained on Zoom and Google Meets and like 
WhatsApp groups and stuff. We just hopped right into it. And there wasn't this like hesitation to get working. It was like, let's just get to work now. Like we literally went on a group WhatsApp and it was like zero to a hundred so fast. I remember you guys were saying like Artifact was so busy with so many projects in the pipeline, but for whatever reason, um, you guys felt like you needed to clear a path for this one. You know, I mean, I don't know how strategic you guys were about it, but you're, you were like, we're clearing a path for this. We're going to make this happen in the next. Oh, yeah, we definitely cleared a path for this, man. <laughs> you kidding <Yeah>. me? <laughs> and I'm glad we did. Uh, for for us, it was like everything that we wanted to show, like merging what, what was happening in normal like sneaker culture with what the future could be. And we, we thought like together we could create the next benchmark of where this industry is going and i remember the like the design process when we were shooting some ideas and chris did the first design and he went fully like chris fucking crazy mm -hmm. and we were, we were like what's jeff gonna think of this because like jeff's like minimal yep. and they were like let's send jeff a vr headset and do all this crazy shit, shit. We're like is jeff gonna think we're all like psychos yeah so i did it's because you know you have a very minimalist style but i think it as a team we decide you know we're bringing jeff into mm -hmm. the metaverse i feel like we should really stand by that and take like it, it's like putting your shoe through a portal what would that yeah. look like like into a, another whole realm and i i, I was worried i was like man i hope jeff likes these designs because like I, I was wondering if your mindset was very minimalist or would you approve yeah. of this? But surprisingly, you did. And it made me insanely happy and the rest of the team. Yeah. So I really yeah. thought of like <laughs> myself as someone going through a time warp and you guys were like dragging me into it in a sense, like pulling my arm into this like warp, warp speed portal. And so if you guys were telling me like, no, these are the shoes that you wear in the future. And even if I'm a very simple, like sort of monotone guy normally, yeah, I'm going through this portal. I'm going to wear the shoes that the experts want me to put on or like, you know what I'm saying? Like the styling and everything like that. And I think we use that a lot in, in our marketing outreach, like even like our go-to-market strategy with like, you know, we had that thing. I, I don't know if you guys saw, but like we did this kind of like ransom note thing where it's like artifacts sent me a box and it said like, we have your pigeon in the future. You got to come get it and put these, you know, VR headsets on and stuff. So we went with that narrative throughout. And I think people just had a lot of fun with it. That like the idea that someone kidnapped my pigeon, brought it into the future, injected it with like different cables and shit and did an upgrade on it, you know? Um, and if you guys have the, um, whatchamacallit the ar filters on snapchat like they're so amazing like you could literally transport a futuristic meta pigeon into current day landscape and it's so dope and people still use that filter until yeah. this day it's, it's so, so cool i use it all the time we get coffee tags all the time <laughs> yeah and and to give credit where it's due like jeff staple dived headfirst through the vortex like uh, one of the cgi videos i'll never forget Chris sent Jeff these insane instructions to tape up the shoes and put tracking markers on. And Jeff Staples did it in like the most precise <laughs> and like perfectionist way. I was like, wow, this is going to be dope. But yeah, I think the other thing that was cool. Jeff, you fully embraced everything and you just ran with it. And that's what's really amazing for us. Yep. And, uh, that You just joined us and we just created Jeff, wild stuff together. Jeff, what, we were talking about this the other day. Why do you think there are so such few of us uh, from the streetwear space that are curious, if not diving headfirst away that you did into NFTs in the metaverse. What is it that made you see differently? Um, I think, you know, you and I have been through this rodeo multiple times and we've seen different 
like sort of digital revolutions happen. And I think what we're seeing is like, you remember when DJs went from like wax to Serato and people were like, I'm never giving up my eight crates of records. You know, like I think there's a little bit of that where old school streetwear heads and even quite frankly, new school streetwear heads and new fashion people are like, no, fashion is about cut and sew, factories, sampling, like it's the pattern making, like these, this is what fashion means. And they're sort of unwilling to unplug from that. Um, and for me, I'm just always like really curious, you know, and I, I think the other thing that was a secret to, to the success of this and to your, to um, the Atom Bomb Squad as well, is as you know, in fashion and any shoemaking or anything like that, there's so many layers of bureaucracy, right? There's like, head of production, head of sourcing, assistant to the head of pattern make. Like there's, there's all these, there's like an army of 50 people that is required just to make a collection. Um, but, you know, the, the artifact guys will tell you like that group chat and the conversations and the Zoom calls is just fucking me. <laughs> like there's no army of assistants and publicists and like other people involved. And I could tell Bobby with Adam Bomb Squad, it's you at the, at the, you know, at the driver's seat of that thing. And I think a lot of people that come from different parts of the industry and in the fashion and sneaker world are not used to like taking the reins and just being like, no, this is my shit. I'm just going to drive this. And it's not about delegation. It's not about pompous, like showing up with an army of people and all that stuff. It's just like, let's just get down and get to work. If you're really, if you're really involved in this. And one thing that I learned is that with the crypto and NFT community, they are so, they're maybe even more fickle than the streetwear sneakerhead community on like, quote unquote, for lack of a better word, like keeping it real, like whatever that means, but like not coming in for the money grab, you know what I mean? And a lot of big artists, big names, big celebrities came in and like flopped. And I think it's because they were trying to phone it in or delegate it in. Um, and, you know, you and I and the artifact guys, it's like, the five of us, we're just in it. We're just here. It's pretty, it's, it's weird. It's really hard, but it's really simple at the same time. It's really simple in the sense that like, if you just roll up your sleeves and do it, you can get it done. But it's really hard because you actually have to have like skill set, passion, love, and the ability to execute, you know? So it's kind of like a double-edged sword. Yeah, very well said, man. It really does feel like, um, you know, when you, when you barely start a company and there's like that fast-paced vibe that goes on and then you don't really don't think about politics mm -hmm. right so like all the politics and everything is cut out that's what it really feels like right now in the entity space is like the from idea to straight up just executing right there on the spot and skipping out all the steps in between yeah that's what i mean bobby like. i was at at times like holding on for dear life like metaphysically like with these guys because a everything they were saying i kind of like on the low needed to like Google shit that they were saying afterwards. Cause I didn't understand half the shit that they were saying, but then the speed of which they were doing stuff was insane. Like I'll give you an example. We had, um, we had like three drops planned and you know, we, we were going to drop these three NFTs. We had the drop date. We had the drop time. I think it was like May 5th at 1 PM or something like that was the drop date. And you know, on the morning of we're like all excited, like, Oh my God, we're going to drop something, you know? And fucking Chris at like 10 a.m. on the day of is like, yo, we're going to add another NFT. We're going to do another one. We're going to add a four. I was like, what? We're doing the drop in like three hours. What do you mean we're going to add something? He's like, yeah, we're going to do another thing. 
one of one. Check it out. It's the first time I'm seeing it at like 10 a.m. on the day of. And we're going to drop it on Super Rare. And it's going to be, I was like, literally holding on for dear life. Like, don't we have to check this? Like, double check it? You know, like, don't we have to do all this stuff? And they're like, no, let's just go for it. And it's just like flying by the seat of their pants and like shooting from the hip and stuff. And and that that one of one NFT that we dropped um, ended up really being critical. If you guys remember when we dropped that on, on Super Rare, there was like this heavyweight battle bidding war on that one NFT. And it was just so exciting to watch. And I remember seeing that battle go on on Discord where like people were rooting for like uh, one. I think one guy was Amir and another guy, the, the eventual winner was Sobi. And like just people coming together in that moment felt like such a dope old school streetwear b-boy dj battle kind of thing happening but now it's about who can get this one of one nft uh and i was thinking like damn if if the guys didn't like pull this last minute audible none of this would have ever happened not to mention that the thing went for like ninety thousand dollars and beat out the the og actual nike pigeon dunk in terms of value like so this one of one digital not physical shoe beat out like the real grail of sneaker culture which i think says volumes about the future of this culture and, and what is it worth now at current eve prices that's what i'm curious right about. exactly and you know what happened actually guys i don't think you know this but um two weeks ago sotheby's auctioned off the og pigeon dunk for 90 so it, it, inadvertently the nft elevated the original grail <laughs> of course That's of course crazy. because it's an nft wow. of course i mean because it's not an nft i don't get a penny of that one but you know and i don't i didn't get a penny of any which is i think you know ownership of ip is another huge proponent and whenever people ask me like why are you into nfts it's, it's weird why are you getting into this stuff and try to explain it my number one reason is is ownership of intellectual property is number one you know it's like can you imagine if if every pigeon dunk every piece of staple collaboration that ever got flipped on StockX or eBay, like I was getting a percentage of it. Like it would have changed my entire life, but the technology wasn't there at that time, you know, for that to happen. And so now it is, and there's no reason why creators and artists shouldn't take, you know, hold of that possibility and, and, you know, take advantage of it. It's, It's not even taking advantage of it. It's taking what's rightfully yours, you know? I feel like to echo your sentiments about, early streetwear vibes, everything you just said speaks to something like, this is what we always wanted with streetwear and that we were just never able to access. The technology and infrastructure wasn't there, Mm -hmm. Um, but now we're able to do it, right? Like we're finally enabled to upset the setup and and upend systems, give back to the artists, make it, you know, community-led. It's everything that we always wanted never fully got there i think from a systemic point of view with streetwear uh-huh. but that's why i am so excited about nfts is that uh we can realize some of these things you know so i feel like that's probably also why you were so uh, inspired and intrigued by the space i'm assuming yeah and it, to your point it's it's <laughs> shocking now that there's so much pushback against it given that you know like streetwear was all about going against the grain, owning your own freedom, creative freedom, yada, yada, yada. And now to be able to even like on the blockchain, prove that you own the IP, prove that you own the culture, whatever it is, and people are hesitant to do it. It's just, it's pretty shocking to me. Um, But yeah, I guess 
I, I think actually crypto and NFTs suffered a little bit of like a marketing like problem. Like they used things like abbreviations and words that are very like deliberately complicated and code like. I think in the in the beginning to keep it sort of underground and subculture. But now that it's trying to sort of break out of that and grow into its maturity phase, it has to sort of shake some of that stuff. Like, you know, when people think of like crypto, they think of like an evil person with a hood on, like hacking away at stuff. You know, they don't think of like um, legitimate business owners like the artifact guys. Yeah, I just remember so much of this early on. It's reminiscent of when we were starting and I was writing my blog <laughs> and how disruptive that was when all I was trying to do was democratize the information. And I'm, I'm essentially trying to do the same thing here, not just through Adam bomb squad, but through bomb talk. And a lot of the essays I've been writing this year is uh, trying to educate myself, inform myself, but also bring my community with me. And yes, I agree. I, I believe that in the information asymmetry was intended. It's always been intended to keep certain components, certain populations out of here. And uh, now that we are you know, raising those walls and we're finding our way in, um, we're realizing it's really not that hard. You, like you were saying, you just got to do the work. You got to just pay attention. You got to listen to young people. You got to be open to new, te- new technologies. Um, but there really is nothing to fear here. Uh, you know, we're all here to see each other win for the most part. I, I don't know if I interrupted you, Chris, earlier, if, if you were going to say something. Oh, no. Um, Zap Tio, he dropped out and he's trying to get back on. So he's like, uh, can you bring me onto the stage? But I don't see him. No, we intentionally, like I was saying, we intentionally kept him out. I don't want him in here. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't want him to have the information. Um, I, just, I just added him as a speaker. He should be jumping back in anytime now. This is, this is what the but, connection's like maybe in Panama. Yeah, but anyways, uh, back to what Jeff was saying. Um, and I, I I talk about this from time and time again on like different podcasts and stuff. But the issue right now, and I, I'm glad what you 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 stated what you stated, Jeff, because we need more topics of a conversation like that. A lot of Gen Z, and it kind of surprised me too. A lot of Gen Z actually don't accept NFTs, and I think um it's all due to the media hyping it up in a different way. Because you know when NFTs start coming out, everybody is talking about oh million dollar this, million dollar that. Blah, 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 blah. This JPEG goes for this much money. So if you if you go on TikTok and you really search through NFT videos, I can guarantee you there's going to be one comment that gets a lot of upvotes of some Gen Z saying, oh, you can save this. It hurts the environment and everything. But the thing is, these kids are actually misinformed. Um, they don't – if they sat here, I hope there's uh, a bunch of Gen Z kids or other people who are against NFTs in this in – this, uh, talk right now and listening in to what we're talking about because if they listen to what Jeff just said where a lot of these brands artists can get secondary sales which we couldn't get before right like I was a designer who was treated as a replaceable asset in the music industry like okay we're gonna hire you to design an album cover here's 500 bucks boom done you're gone you sign a contract you release the artwork to the label that's it right um, a lot of the new generation or people that don't understand NFTs, they have to realize that it's the technology that really backs all this that's groundbreaking, you know, from a, a business standpoint. Like this can actually change the livelihoods of a lot of artists. And you, everybody keeps on pointing the finger at the whole carbon emissions thing, this, that. But it's it's like they're blinded by that and they don't want to sit there to really study it and understand, you know, the impact this has mm-hmm. um, the, the, uh, humanity, you know, since we're oh. heading towards that whole digital era. Like they, I, I just wish they would, you know, take the effort and time to study this, this technology. On the, on the other side, that 
what else I've seen is this space has the highest rate of retention. If you think about anyone who you've brought into the space, as soon as buy, someone buys their first NFT project, they're immediately hooked. They understand the community. They understand the royalties and they understand the whole ecosystem. So that's why all of us in this room who are releasing projects, it's kind of uh, we're the bridge to bring new people in and educate and create the space we want to because it's still so early and everything's developing. Uh, but it's there's no space like this uh, yeah. anywhere else with the types of communities and the level of support that people show. Uh, it's pretty amazing. I get Hey, hey, Bobby, can we bring on Sobi, or the collector? He's the one that actually... Oh, shit, Sobi's here? <laughs> yeah, Sobi's yeah. here. Totally. Um, uh, if Sobi raises their hand, uh, someone from our team will be able to bring him up on stage. I get. Awesome. I don't know Thanks, about man. you guys, yeah. but I get, I get a tweet a week from somebody saying that, like, I bought a Meta Pigeon for a dollar, and now I could put my kids through college. It's like the most... Yes insane thought that like outside of even what I was talking about earlier with creator IP, just what it's doing for like the entire community itself is pretty amazing. And that was all, you know, us, you remember the amount of meetings we went through discussing like how much we should charge for this, for, for this and that, like the different tiers. And, you know, I, I'm so glad the way um, that we ended up sort of like programming out the roadmap and everything. It was just, we really hit something magical. It was really beautiful. It was so cool that yeah. most of the pigeons were either $1 or free. It allowed people from any background to buy it, and now they're going for fifty, sixty thousand, which is life-changing money. Um, yeah, it's like... it's like we've done, I, think, I don't think mm. you see this kind of wealth generation in streetwear like that. Like, be honest here. This is insane. Like, you're literally buying something for that low. The appreciation of it is out of this world. It's, it it yeah. appreciates faster than a house. <laughs> It's crazy. In, in, I'll tell you, in sneaker culture, in physical sneaker culture, it happens maybe once a year at this rate of return. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's one drop a year that might go from like a dollar to fifty five thousand, sixty thousand dollars. And so uh, I, on the apparel side, I mean, I think that type of wealth, that transformative wealth, it hits maybe the brand owners, if anyone. And there's just a few of those. Um, but I think most of that money, honestly, it flows to Nike. <laughs> if there's any money, <laughs> True right? That. Like at the end of the day, it just keeps going back to Nike, which is what it is. But this is also why this space appeals to me so much is that the point of it is to reroute some of that money away from some of the bigger corporations and entities and get it back into the, the hands of the artists and the collectors. Sobe's up on stage, you guys. Yeah. Oh, here. so I just got this text Yo, what from... Up, Kings? Uh, so check this out, guys. Oh, Sobe, sorry to interrupt you, man. Uh, no, you're good, what's bro. What's up, dude? So check this out. We just launched like uh, a sneaker today with TikTok, right? The Eats Shoe. Uh, it's a collaboration with uh, me and my brother, Mecca, who's like this virtual influencer uh, on TikTok. And right now, Z, I'm not sure if you're, you're listening, but someone just sold it because we, we, we sold it for like five, 600 bucks, but someone just resold it for 23K. Wow. Not too long ago. I just saw this. Like the resale is insane. So this is proof again that like someone could go in with a five, six hundred dollar investment just to see that that kind of return. I it's it's crazy. Like this is a weird, crazy, exciting world we're in. It's it's phenomenal. What up, Sobi? Nice to nice to connect. Yeah, dude, you too, bro. You're a fucking legend. <laughs> I'm out here walking my pup right now. <laughs> but... 
the you legend, the, the legend of Sobeys. Dude, the shit that's crazy to me, uh, Chris, is that like last time we had a, a plague, we had a renaissance after. I feel like we're in like this mm. digital renaissance moment right now. Yo, it's assimilation, bro. It's a loop. It's gonna happen over and over and over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, everyone's just in a weird loop. You guys' shit goes so crazy, bro. Like, I'm so glad that people are like starting to wake up and go like, "Oh shit, there's like a whole ass brand that's like building drip for the metaverse, and I should be paying attention to them." Because when I saw that Jeff Stable collab, like to me, that was first of all, I'm a huge like Jeff fan, obviously. And I was like, "Holy shit, this guy is like literally like an OG legend." I always see this dude get crazy shit mailed to him. I wish I was getting all these crazy kid pieces and shit. And for him to come into this space, I was like, "Oh shit, like this is going somewhere. Like people need to pay attention," you know. Yo, Sobe, I've always wanted to ask. This is the first time, by the way, I've, I'm speaking to Sobe, the guy who owns the one-of-one um, Meta Pigeon Boss Edition. Um, when you were in the in the midst of that battle, where you were battling with one person back and forth, and I don't know if you know Amir personally or if you've ever met with him, but like, were you determined? Like, you were not gonna lose this no matter what. Like. How hard were you going to go on this? I'm not going to let anyone whose height starts with a six make me look like a clown, bro. I was going to snag that shit. <laughs> hey, a thousand ETH, right? So and you'll let it go for 1,000 ETH. But I wasn't really like, to me, it was one of those things that was compulsive. Like, I didn't wake up and think I was going to buy them. Like, I missed the drop because I was looking forward to it. And I was like, it was in between phones. So my Google Calendar shit wasn't working. And I was like, fuck this, dude. I'm going in. <laughs> you know what else I remembered from that? Uh, we, we did the initial drop that ended before the meta boss right sale. But I, I remember, Jeff, you messaged in our group chat being like, who is Sobi? Because Sobi was going on the secondary and cleaning up all the pigeons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we spotted him early. We were like, damn, he's serious. Yeah. But Sobi, did you have any, like, when you spent 90k on the one of one, how were you feeling? Were you happy? Were you, like, scared or... What was going through your mind? I think he cut oh, out. I think we... Oh, Sobe, you gone? Oh, oh Sobe's so yeah. gone. Um, think... He was outside, so maybe. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll we'll try to get Sobe back in. Um, but uh, <laughs> I'm so got, glad got... Sobe joined the room, actually. That brought a whole new dynamic to the stage. <laughs> yeah. Okay, there's Sobe. He's back. Sobe. How you doing? Dude, I mean, I was, bro, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I was, like, shirtless, super high, like, sweating. And it was really because I had the heater on. And I was like, why the fuck is it so hot, bro? Like, I'm not even really stressed out about this. And then afterwards, I was like, damn, I smell hella bad. Like, I need to go take a shower. And I just came back, and I was like, I won the auction. So I was like, all right, I'm going to take a quick shower. And, you know, people keep bidding. So that was a nice experience. But, like, to me, it was really easy to kind of have, like, a mental model of how to evaluate this because in one aspect it's like okay you know jeff and what he's done with streetwear like there that's that whole provenance right there but then you know you go look at the original dunks and you have like a yardstick right my thing is like it should go for at least uh the original dunks if not more right mm -hmm. i think at the time i think at the time eth was like 72 or 76k or something was the exact price so it was a little bit above or i think under what the the dunk was but um you know it, what's crazy is like how quickly the nft market moves like i remember last year the largest sale in october was at like bull picasso for 40k and now that's like you know some random bullshit from fiber will catch a 40k bid <laughs> yep
Uh, <laughs> I love Sobe. I love right it. Now. I, I yeah, love it. I love it. Oh Dude, I also got a bunch of bomb squads, bro. I used to, like, I used to literally sell candy bars in high school to get hundred shit. My guy, thank you so much. I, I, you know, Sobe said something earlier where he said, um, you know, what I, I, I guess you were making this equivalency of it should go for as much as a physical staple dunk should go for, and it's like that mentality is what made you win, right? Because if you brought this up to most people outside of the metaverse or outside of NFTs, they still can't comprehend why it would be worth the same amount as a physical pair of sneakers. Like they can't even process that. And bro, for you, it was cooked. just second nature. I was getting cooked yeah. in the group chat, bro. My homie's like, you're fucking wildin'. What are you doing? Like, this is a top. And I was like, no, I think there's something. I'm like, I'm honestly an idiot. I barely know what I'm doing. So don't follow me. But I just felt like on my gut, I was like, this is, <laughs> there's something special here. And I've been following the artifact guys for a while. And like, Everything they do is just so far. And, like, to me, it's one of those things where if you asked me two years ago, like, do you think that, like, streetwear and crypto would have this weird kind of, like, collaborative nature? I'd be like, fuck no, dude. That makes no sense. Right? But, like, look at where this stuff is going now. It's you got to kind of be nimble and change your opinions on things based on mm-hmm. new information. Word. A hundred percent. I thought Jeff Staple was going to be the secret surprise special guest tonight, but it turned out to be Sobe, everybody. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, if for those listening, we are doing a Poe app for tonight. Uh, there is a little bit of a process to get there. I don't know, if Sandy, if you can chime in really quickly and remind everyone once again how to claim your Poe app. Yeah, for sure. So for anyone who isn't familiar with POAP, it is a free NFT. So anyone who doesn't already own one, we could get you your very first one. Um, if you swipe to the fourth tweet that's pinned on the bomb talk, it's going to say, hope you hear a special code with the link to the form. Click on that form and make sure you put the special code of RTFKT, or as our Discord just found out, it's pronounced artifact. Um, so make sure it's exactly as is, and you will receive your very first NFT by us. I want one. Uh, we all should sure get one. <laughs> Please claim it. Um, for the artifact guys, I have to ask, how annoying does it get when people don't know how to say the name? No, it's funny. We love it. We Our favorite one is Rat It's fucked. funny. Like, Rat, rat Fucked is my yeah. favorite one. It's so funny. Yeah. Rat, Most people rat are... Fuck? <laughs> yes, with a D at the end. Yeah, we have some <laughs> trolls who, like... Right, random stuff. But the best one is when we get on like corporate phone calls over email, and everyone's like uh, RTFK, and they just no one gets it. And it's it's turned into a thing. Like if you know, you know. If you don't, then you don't. Uh, so, do you imagine having we, we like it. and trying to read your guys' name? That should be hard. <laughs> yeah, but how many people had issues trying to um, pronounce Tyler the Creator's crew? Our future Wolfgang kill them all. Ab- uh, absolutely. I remember when I first saw Artifact. I. I was reading it as right foot and uh, Jeff, you remember right foot, right? Like the A Life yeah. sneaker brand. Yeah. I was yeah. like, is it are they back as a and as a metaverse brand? And then I was like, no, no, it's artifact and, and, and then I felt better the, about the myself. reason for the name Yeah, the reason we went for that name is we wanted to be called Artifact and obviously that domain and handles are all taken and it gets back to our roots. Like in games you have clan tags and they're shortened words with removing like different syllables. So we, we kept it real and uh, like a clan tag. And if you know, you know. If you don't, then it's fine. Yep. yep. That way, diehard fans and supporters would always, you know, sit there and figure out how to pronounce it. And I feel like there was a, there'll be a pride within it, too. Like, hey, we actually know how to pronounce the name correctly. Like, to be honest, I wish um, half the world doesn't know how to pronounce it. 
even 10 years from now because then it will just shift <laughs> out, uh, for the true homies and you know everybody else it's like uh people still pronouncing nike as nike or well i guess it depends on the region of the world but there's some big brands out there nike as nike. <laughs> that's that too, right, right? <laughs> This is a really old Nike talk reference, but uh, back in the day, there was a there was a certain part of the sneakerhead community that called Bape Bape. Uh, that's a that's an <laughs> NT reference, Jeff. You remember that? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I look. I'm going to wrap this up, everyone. I wanted to to, to finish with one last thing. Uh, Artifact, you guys have a big drop coming up, right? The Clone X. Hell yep. yeah, we're excited. Z, you wanna you wanna speak on this, bro? I know you're waiting. <laughs> yeah, let, let me do it. Let me do it. But no, it's our Avatar project. Our goal with this project was to take the space to the next level, and we've been working hard, and we're pulling out every secret card. We're dropping twenty thousand avatars, ten thousand were reserved for artifact NFT holders for zero point zero five ETH, and let's just say like we, we pulled in the big cards and next week we're making huge announcements which people will understand the like scope and scale of this project and chris has been working crazy every trait is 3d modeled so it's not some guy doing 2d assets or fiverr uh, it's all focused around quality utility and uh, we think this is going to be our legacy project for the next five to ten years moving forward so we're super excited keep your eyes peeled and make sure you grab some clones and remember, it's not just one announcement. We actually got a few. It's going to be crazy. Um, this is why we, you know, if we have to push dates back, we'll do it because we just got to make sure it's perfect. We're not in a rush to really put out a half-assed project because we, we really want to innovate in this space. And everything we do always has to top the previous, right? And I know we've already mentioned this again or before, but remember, like, clothes on these avatars, like, a lot of them can be forgeable, which I feel like is a game changer. So that way you can actually look like your avatar if you wanted to. If your avatar has this dope-ass shirt, you know, and we, launch, we announce a forging event, boom, you can get that same shirt delivered straight to your house. Wow. That's pretty sick. Uh, like I said, when you guys were first announcing this stuff, I was replying to your tweets, and I was like, can you guys just slow down? Because you're really making this hard for the rest of us. (laughs) It's so sick. (laughs) You guys are so far ahead that it's very discouraging for other creators like myself in this space. I just need you guys to calm down. Take a vacation. Chris, you really need a vacation. Uh, You guys are like 45 years ahead of everyone else at this point. It's it's really fucking annoying, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but well, well, no, Bobby. Think about this: if if we don't do that, then the NFT space can't push forward. We want everybody to do what we're doing. This is how we push the there whole you go. movement forward. You are our yep. north star. No, really. At the end of um, to be honest, you guys are <laughs> it's it's super inspiring to watch you, and it, it is important and, and good for us to have leaders in the space to show us what is possible. And when you were first teasing the avatars associated with your project, dude, I was just in. I was in love. I was like, wow. This is just putting Appreciate everyone it, bro. else to shame. Um, obviously, they're going to blow out right away. I hope I can uh, I, I can get one. Uh, but everyone, look out for that. That Clone X project, uh, it won't happen right away or right now. It'll ha- happen at the right time when it's co- complete and right. So we're all here for that. I wanted to thank everyone who's in the room today and everyone who's up on stage. Uh, Steven, Chris from the Artifact team. Jeff Staple was our secret surprise special guest, and uh, we always appreciate his insight and wisdom. 
um, talk about a leader in the space, talk about a leader in all spaces. Sobi, Sobi was the real highlight. Um, thank you so much for being with us Sobe. here today. Sobi, we've got to do a whole episode just with Sobi. Um, and uh, this was another episode of Bomb Talk. I'll be back next week. This episode, we have been recording it the whole time. It'll go up as a podcast wherever you download your podcast by this time next week. I always drop it on the week after. Next week is a big week for NFTs. Artifact is obviously coming with some heat. Uh, this NFT week, NFT NYC is happening out in New York. We have a big, uh, big day on Tuesday, a big couple events. I'm going to be doing this talk live in real life at the Shopify space in New York. Uh, if you're at a Bomb Squad holder, you'll be able to enter. And at night, we're throwing, I think it's going to be the biggest party. We're doing it with Coinbase. It's their only party of the week. Uh, and it's going to be at Somewhere Nowhere with a super surprise special, special guest DJ. Maybe it'll be Sobi. Maybe it'll be Jeff Staple. I don't know. Uh, but thank you to everyone in the room. Any lasting final parting words from the team, from anyone up on stage? Thanks for having thank us. You and... for doing Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, man. 100%. Okay. Okay. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thanks All for right, having everyone. me, bro. Have a good night, everyone. Later, Sylvie. Peace out.